Welcome back, my Converse family. We will be providing food for the soul through conversation. Let's go. You are tuned in to Let's Converse podcast, where we try to offer inspiration through conversation. Conversation. Uh, I have... My good brother of wisdom joining me today, T. Wiggins, a.k.a. Terrence Wiggins. Uh, This man and I have worked with each other for the last two years uh, while conversing in in some some true brotherly conversations that has challenged our growth as men. It's my honor to welcome to Let's Converse podcast, Mr. Terrence Wiggins. What's going on, brother? Hey, brother, how are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. I'm, I'm so happy to, to uh, be a part of this podcast, man. I, I truly appreciate it. I, I've been excited ever since the, the, the invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something yeah. that we do, you know, like I said, man, in our occupation, man, this is something that we that we do. And, you know, if we can on a daily basis, man, just have some conversations that, uh, that are challenging to us and, and, and that are, you know, kind of, uh, helpful to us uh, as men, men as fathers, as husbands, man, and just try to be better for each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So we, uh, how the family doing, man? The family's good, man. You know, I, I, as my wife would say, I got all my ducklings back in, in the house. So you know, it's it's, it's it's a little bit more noisy than it has been for the past month and a half, but. You know, me being who I am and people knowing me how I am about my children, I like the noise. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> if there's noise, you know everybody's safe. That's right. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I like Absolutely. that. Um, so all the kids, are the kids going back to school in your area or how is that dynamic going about? Um, my oldest will 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 go back. I believe next week, next Saturday, she'll be going back down to Delaware to go to Delaware State. Mm-hmm. The other two will will be home. Um, you know, they'll be home doing virtual learning. Uh, my middle one is not too happy. You know, she'd rather be on campus at her school, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think that's across the board. I think. Most people going to be home, man, doing virtual learning uh, for the time being for the first couple months or so. And uh, we'll see how we can adjust and adapt to that as well. I think for the, for the, our young children, it's an opportunity for them to, to learn how to adapt and learn how to be creative during, the, during these times and then to help them going forward as they become uh, productive and efficient uh, adults in their future, man. I, I agree, man. You know, it's, it, it, when you look at the, the this this generation, they have um, a lot of work to do in dealing with different types of and levels of of adversity. Mm. You know, and and I think that this will be a good test for not just the young people, but also for the parents to keep, for this to be a learning lesson. Absolutely, absolutely, and that transitions us uh, into uh, today's topic. And today's topic is community through my eyes, which of course it will be through your eyes. And um, I think one of the one of the major things when we talk about community, some of the things that that come to mind when you talk about community are the things that are concrete, which is the population size, which is also uh, occupational opportunities, 
um, household incomes, um, um, housing structures, rather it be through apartments, rather it be through uh, single parent homes, rather it be through housing units and also um, education. And when I look in the area in which you grew up in um, uh, of, of East Liberty and I look at some of some of the uh, some of the, of the uh, demographic and some of the uh, statistics, I look at I look at the population, which is about 30,000. And I look at uh, occupation. I look at white collar um, working and blue collar working. So around thirteen, almost about fourteen thousand people work in white collar, and only about fifteen hundred people work in blue collar. And in Pittsburgh, you know, you look at Pittsburgh. It was a blue collar uh, city. It was a blue collar city um, with a lot of your in, uh, industrial, and now it flipped. Yeah, it kind of flipped into into more of a white collar. And I said, well, I wonder why that is. And I go and I go down and I see the uh, the um, the employment opportunities and I see the wages and I see your most uh, affluent uh, individuals are those between 25 and 44. And so now I can see why and how it flipped, because it's a younger generation Mm -hmm. that that has kind of moved in. And kind of took over, and that's where you get even your housing, and you've seen a lot of the apartment buildings in your your um, housing units because it's housing those younger people um, that's kind of making up um, that particular uh, demographic. Uh-huh. And so that was that was important to me to see that. Yeah, um, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, um, I was able, you know. Foremost, anywhere in the city, you would be able to see the uh, the burners, the mm-hmm. furnaces, and mm-hmm. the steel mills. Um, especially U.S. Steel downtown Pittsburgh. If you sat, you know, because Pittsburgh, if you've been in Pittsburgh, there's certain parts of Pittsburgh you're just sitting on these top of these big hills, mm. and you would be able to see the burner, the the, the furnaces from the steel mills. Um, you know, the area I lived at, you know, there was an Abisco plant there. So you know where you're accustomed to smelling the 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 all the different things that were being baked at Nabisco. Mm. That is now gone. That is now Google headquarters. Mm. So Google has moved and has transitioned that whole area to where now you have um you know you have different townhouses. You have a lot of different things that have now changed. And you know and, and you have to transition from the steel mills because when I like I said when I was growing up. You know, you worked in the steel mill, man, you was making good money, you know, and people were living well. And then when the steel mill started to close, those people, you know, began to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighborhood, the community started to deteriorate because now you had empty homes, you had people unemployed, you had all these different other variables that kicked in. Mm. Um, you know, that kind of like made the community take a shift and it, you know, the, and during that transition, there was some, you know, Pittsburgh is, is a viable city for a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, technology is one of them, you know, because you have probably one of the better uh, universities as far as engineering and technology, which is Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, you know, you have University of Pittsburgh, you have, you have probably about, I would say three universities within walking distance of each other. Wow. Wow. You know, so, you know, you know, you, you have some, you have the ability, you know, so, I mean, it, it was, it was expected, 
I'll, that's the best way I can put it. You know, so some of the things that did not surprise me when they begin to change. Wow. And that go to show too. Um, if you look at the educational, um, the educational, uh, uh, standings and you look at, uh, educationally, those that had, uh, some high school was about 26% of the population, some high school. Mm -hmm. And then you have those, either you were, you had some high school or you were, or you were a college graduate. So I was uh-huh. thinking, is most of your your college graduates those that moved into Pittsburgh, or were they uh-huh. natives, or did they move into Pittsburgh due to the like you said the Google and things like that, or are those people um, that were from Pittsburgh and they just had an opportunity to get out of Pittsburgh um, through the educational route? Um, that's pretty. It's, it's a complicated answer because. Now you're gonna to have to look at the, the variable of culture, right? Um, so if you look at the African American community, a lot of the blacks who are college educated did not stay. Mm. So you have, I mean, you know, but then you have an influx of those African American men, African Americans that did come to school in Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. stay. But um, if you look at it from the other end. A lot of those who um, who are not African American, they tend to stay. Okay. Um, I'm one of those people that was college educated that did not stay. Um, but you know, it, it, it's um, how's the best way to say it? Um, it is a city where it is conducive for certain. Um, Cultures, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and that's just the reality. You know, perfect right. example: the the, the 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 neighborhood I grew up in, prior to I would say probably in the the sixties, the seventies is when uh, more African Americans started moving into my neighborhood. But before that, it was more of an Italian neighborhood. Right, right. You know, so then it transitioned so from you know the sixties all up into maybe man to two thousand. Wow. Uh, the transition changed to now you have less African-American living in that community and more people of, of non-color moving in. Because one, because like I said, Google has moved into Pittsburgh. Right. So my neighborhood is close to where everything, where they need to be. Okay. So, so you know, the dynamics of tearing down a school to make uh, the headquarters to to uh, living and shopping. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, and it's funny because, you know, when you, if you're able to ride through, you you ride through and see uh, the stadium for the Steelers and the, and the, and the Pirates. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, you know, it's downtown. No, it's really not. It's on the north side of Pittsburgh, where, which is really nothing but more than warehouses and um, steelers. So they have the, the but, you know, the, the transition now is that you now have two sports teams, stadiums next to each other. You have a casino. You have all these different things that um, that change the landscape of wow. the city. Um, I have a lot of friends, a lot of relatives, you know, they're still there. Um, you know, and, and, and I kind of liken it to the, the movie. If you ever watched the movie, um, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Where the guy gets up, 
does the same routine, goes to bed, the alarm goes off, he wakes back up, he goes back to the same thing. Right. To me, it's almost the same cycle. Um, only because, though, like you, you spoke about those who have some high school education. And it's not a knock, but it's more of a thing of understanding that there has to be some form of growth. Absolutely. Some people tend to hang on to certain things. And there's nothing wrong with hanging on to certain traditions. Um, but at the same time, you have to have a level of growth. But sometimes that growth doesn't occur because you don't see outside the box. Right. And that brings me to a point. Based on that experience, based on the things that you that you just mentioned, um, how would you define the word community based on your experience growing community. up? Community. Mm-hmm. I would go back to, I would say, the early 80s. Community was, to me, um, the ability to come outside your home, not and feel safe. Um, to have neighbors who spoke, mm-hmm. for neighbors who looked out for each other. Um, having the ability to have a playground to go to and feel safe. Having a rec center, you know, all these different things were, to me was community because um, when you have that kind of community, even if you're poor, you don't know you're poor. Right, right. You know, because, you know, people look out for each other, um, you know, um, just, you know, even those who were more of a, the criminal element, there was a certain level in which they would not go, go above or beyond, okay. mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, anybody that lives in an in a, in a, in a urban area where you know that you have um, – Back in my day, you had people who were, you know, maybe some shady characters, but they would always say, hey, yo, young buck, they had down the street, you don't need to be here right now. Right. To me, that's community because no matter what, there was a level of respect that everyone had for each other. Mm-hmm. And as we, as, as, as the years have gone on, we no longer have that. So to me, I think that is a demise. You know, that is what kind of tears down and destroys the community, how I see it. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, you know, it wasn't hard for me to go outside, you know, and just feel comfortable, feel safe, feel a certain level of love from the neighbors, you know, and just, you know, playing outside, you know, on the street and, and, and not having to really worry about a whole lot. You know, now you can't even, you know, you're afraid to let your kids outside sometimes because you don't know what's happening, what's going on. And, Wig, what yeah. caused, what do you think? Uh, cause that transitioning from when you were growing up and the safety that was that that was provided and the respect that was provided and that 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 tribal type of community feel. How did it now transition to what we have today? Um, and talk about the difference between then and now, and and how do you think you we have gotten um, from 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 your generation to the generation that we experience in today uh, in your, in your present, in your community that you grew up in? Um, I, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, um, the steel mills closing. Mm. So now you, you, you speak of those who, um, who have some high school education. Right. So, you know, so those people were the ones that work in the steel mill who were making, as they, as, as you know, they would say, good money, very good money. So you know, so now you have those who have now lost those jobs. So 
you have unemployment. So now you have um, people that can't afford to pay their bills. So now they can't afford to buy their kids the things that they were buying them before. Mm. So then what happens? So now you lead to what the streets has to offer. Mm. So now you have people who may have wanted to be, who were selling drugs, who you knew it, but they kind of like tried to hide it. Now it was just open. It was open game. And then you show into where my in my in my city in my community you show into the gang, mm. so the gang hit Pittsburgh pretty hard. You know, it went from, you know, I remember when I graduated from high school and I went away to school, I come back, and for the end of the semester, and there's these small little pods of gang. I come back in May, full blown gang war. You know, so now, you know, you, you throw all these different things in there because now everybody, you know, no one cares anymore. Right. No one cares because now it's about um, getting, if they say getting money. Um, and unfortunately, the, a lot of times in my, you know, in the, in the, especially in the black community, the, the best way they think they can get money is to sell drugs or to steal. Right. You know, right. rob somebody, you mm-hmm. know, and. You know, so now you're starting to put people in and out of jail. You know, now you got people who are now more willing to take someone's life. You know, so all these different things, you know, so now you got from, you you go from a community where people are looking out for each other to the point where it could be your neighbor that's willing to break into your house. Right. Or it could be your neighbor that is now selling, you know, your mother, your auntie, or your cousin drugs. You know, and and openly doing it, openly brandishing, you know, all these different things that, that come into play that kind of like destroyed the community. And when the gangs hit, you know, people started moving out. Wow. You know, I, you know, there's in my neighborhood where I grew up at, man, I could tell you there's like at least two blocks of abandoned homes. They're just empty. You know, and, you know, you have those people that were living in those homes at one point that were, working, paying their bills, and then it went from, I can't afford it no more, to now we're selling drugs to pay our bills, and then those people either get arrested or get evicted, so now they no longer are going to be in that, that house, and nobody wants to live there. Why Why would you want to live in an area where, you know, you're going to hear, you know, I remember this point where I went to bed every night, I, I heard that song. Right. You know, so, you know, you, you, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a shame because now, you know, those who came up with, behind me, they're the ones who are now a lot of them are in prison, if not dead, mm. you know, and you know, I'm not saying they all are, you know, some of them got their lives together, and even some of those who I, I grew up with, you know, and, and it's a shame because we're talking about a community that was very vested in the community, making right. sure that, you know, you know, they swept their stoop, you know, they swept their yards, you know, their, their, gla- their grass was cut, you know, everybody took pride in how their homes looked. They didn't worry about, you know, leaving trash out or anything like that. Now, you know, it, it, I mean, it's transition to getting better, but there was that period of time where people just did not care. You know, they left trash, you know, they were, you know, it was just, it was chaos. Right. You know, Great chaos. So do you think where you I'm sorry, Wade, go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead. I, I got a question um, the, to uh to piggyback on what you're saying. Um, and you said once the steel mill shut down, which as I'm hearing you speak, this the the uh the uh 
the steel mill was the actual community within itself. And and it once once they shut down that community, it in turn began to shut down their living community. And what happened and what what I'm seeing what happened was um either you were motivated to continue education and get out of that community or you were stuck in that community. Once that steel mill, steel mill shut down, there was no plan, transitional plan, that, uh, how are you going to make a living outside of that? But when you had no education, how are you going to make a living outside of, outside of that? And then those people that did, get, did leave uh, that general community, it seems like they didn't want to come back to reinvest into that community. And you say that's due to what? Um, as far as living, they didn't want to go back living. and live in that community. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I, and, and I'll admit that some people have gone back, you know, and, 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 that, and there were quite a few that have gone back and they're, they're doing their best to help build, rebuild that community. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is when you, for me, and I'll speak more for myself, when you have a community where it became, becomes chaotic and then you go somewhere and then you see something different and you see less chaos and then your, your mind starts to change. So then you say, okay, I like this environment better than the environment in which I came from. Right. Um, it's not a knock against anyone, you know, um, but you know, sometimes, plus, you know, some people just feel like it's just safer because not everyone can go back into a community and think that it's going to go back to where it was right. because it's not. Um, for me, I just there were there were other things that were that occurred that kind of like shaped and molded me to say I can't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. Me being here is not going to help my situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I was able to go away to school, get a degree, and it just wasn't conducive to my well-being or to my sanity because, like I spoke of the chaos, the chaos became my normal. Wow. So for me. I enjoyed, to be honest, I enjoyed the chaotic atmosphere mm. because that was what I was used to and accustomed to. But once I was able to go away to school and see that there's other things, other things, other places, meet different people, see different perspectives, so now I'm like, oh man, that's kind of like, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Why would I think that's normal? That's not normal. Right, right. But see, you, know, you Wig, you, you, you had two ends of the spectrum that, I don't envy, but I'm kind of like, wow, man, that's an amazing. It shows a lot of character um, within yourself because out of high school, you went to a whole different community <laughs> in a whole different environment. I, you know what? It's so crazy where you went. I forgot about Montana on the map. You know, you know what I'm saying? Was it Was it Montana? That was Vermont. Okay, Vermont. Vermont. I'm sorry, Vermont. Vermont. Yeah, even Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's a whole different environment and where you and where you come from as far as Pittsburgh. And how did you adapt to that new environment coming from your old environment? Well, first let me say that my high school was all black. Mm-hmm. So then I go to school at Montpelier in Northfield, Vermont, right? Mm. Um, I never forget the year before I went there. There was an ebony cover of a black guy 
and it said Vermont. It was, I don't remember the actual title, but the, it talked about Vermont being the whitest state in the union. And Ebony being a magazine, right? And I'm, I'm sorry, it was, it was Ebony. Yeah, Ebony. Okay. So Ebony Magazine. He's on the cover of Ebony Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is that that man on that cover of that magazine was a security guard at my school. Wow. Who actually is a Pittsburgh native, which mm. is even more interesting. So I got to meet him and talk to him uh, while I was there. Um, it was a it was a culture shock, but it was not as bad as most would think, only because of how my mother raised me. Um, and that was just to you know see people for who they are and not because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. But um, the tra- the transition was hard. It was difficult because there were things that I just could not tolerate. Um, you know, I could not tolerate ignorance, regardless of who it was from. Right. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't my first time experiencing racism. But the racism that I did experience, um, I experienced was was. I'm not going to say traumatic. It was, it angered me. Mm. Um, it angered me only because you had people who um, were not authentic, authentic in who they were. Right. And that was kind of difficult. Um, but I learned a lot in Vermont. I learned tolerance. I learned um, to curb my my anger because you know when you come from an urban area you know you're either going to say flight or fight Mm -hmm. i didn't do a lot of flight growing up right so you know i had to learn how to maintain my my uh my temper because you know i my first year there you know i got kicked off the football team fight um i probably was in front of the judicial board two or three different times for fighting, um, you know, and my mindset was, you know, I'm going to deal with my issues and my problems through violence because that's all I know. Right. Why? Because of the community I grew up in was, you know, you know, you know how it is, you know, in, in the hood, you know, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't run home from a fight. You run home for a fight. It's always like, it seemed like your mom, you know, it was my mother. Seemed like your mother already knew you was running home from the fight. That's right. And I started talking about where you going. <laughs> where you going? Are you That's right. From a fight? That's right. No, uh-uh, you gonna go back out there and fight. One mm-hmm. lose draw, you gonna go back out there and fight. You know, my mother was just saying, "You think it's harder?" And I already That's knew who right. hit harder, so I was willing to go back out in the street <laughs> and have that fight. That's right. Because I didn't want to feel the wrath of my mother, um, uh-huh. who, who you know, once is a product of Pittsburgh. You know, she grew up, you know, I grew up in, in the east end of the city. She grew up on the Hill District. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that knows anything about Pittsburgh, the Hill District is where pretty much any black family that that migrated to Pittsburgh, that's where they wind up at, mm. on the Hill District. So, you know, that's where, you know, a lot of black families, you know, moved to, created a, a beautiful uh, community. You know, and, and, you know, of course, as they... You know, the Hill District was where the blacks pretty much lived. Where I grew up, you know, where I grew up at was back in my mother's day was more of the, you know, like I said, you got to understand, back then Pittsburgh was sectioned off. You had an area where the Times were at, an area where the Polis were at. You know, it it, it was just different. Um, 
but my experience and my and my and living in Pittsburgh was was something I would never trade mm-hmm. because it was always special and it shaped it shaped and molded me to the person that I am in regards to seeing people for who they are because I got a chance to see you know different things right good or bad out there and that know? takes me to this Wigs. Um, where in your community did you discover some of your most defining lessons? Um, I, dude, I can go on a long list of them, but I will, I will give you, you know, I'm more of a, a person who can give you stories as opposed to things of that nature. So for me, um, some defining lessons, um, as I was blessed with having, you know, growing up in a single household, you know, single parent household, my mother, you know, my father, you know, I had a, I had a relationship with my father, but, you know, he lived in another state. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was the older men that were around me that kind of like helped me with some, you know, with, with lessons. Um, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Hank who constantly had a conversation with me. You know, he never... That, you know, even the stuff that I would do, he would say, you know, he wouldn't point a finger and say, oh, you know, that's a bad thing to do. You're a bad person. He would have a conversation with me, you know, and we would talk for hours, even though we were supposed to be working, you know. And then um, my man, Sam, that lived, he had a store across the street from me. And he would just, you know, his things was more of like, you know, hey, listen, you got one or two choices on how you want this to work out for you. You can either run with them and be where they're going to wind up at, or you're going to be the person that your mother's raising you to be. Um, and for a minute, I didn't listen. Mm. So a couple of times, you know, I, I, I was sitting in the back of a police car. Mm. And the last, well, there was two incidents. One where, you know, like I said, once again, I, I grew up with the, with the mindset that, fight or flight. I really had flight. It was always fight. Mm-hmm. Get in the car with my friend, so we're going to go fight some people. I get out the car to fight. I look up. Some of my friends are got <laughs> Start shooting. What was I to do? You know, I get back in the car. We, you know, we try to get away from the police. We stop. I'm arrested. I'm detained. Mm. You know, um, luckily that situation got taken care of through the court system. Nothing, you know, nothing damaging. Believe it or not, that was the summer I had graduated from high school. So I, and that's why I'm, I'm on my way to college to play football. Mm. That situation's taken care of. Then I come back a couple of years later, I'm hanging with my friends from out. One of my friends commits a crime. I'm not with him. But later on, I'm with him. We all get detained. And it sat there for a minute. And this is where I go back to saying where after a while you get to see things differently and your mindset changes. And I'm saying to myself, why am I here sitting in this, in this being questioned by the police over something that I had nothing to do, do with? And it, you know, and the, and the one police officer said, you're not like them. I said, no, I'm not. You know, and I said, you know, I go to college, you know, unfortunately they don't. But my, my mindset is different. I think differently than they do now. So a lot of things that I was, I liked about the chaos, I started to begin to dislike. So I said, you know what? This is my last time. So 
after that, before I even graduated from college, I wound up getting a job. I got an apartment. I never came back. Wow. That was 1993. So from 1993 to this point, I've never lived with this person. Wow. You know, and I, and I had to do it for my own sanity and because I didn't want to be a victim of the streets when I wasn't really in the streets. Right, right. So, you know, those those are two things that really just, just helped me to see that although I love my community, my community wasn't going to support how I thought and, and, and want to live my life because mm-hmm. I needed to truly separate from it because if not, I would um, fall victim. And, and so, I've seen so many people fall victim. Absolutely. And so, so would you say uh, that one of your biggest influences were some of the elders or some of the, some of the older guys that was in the community as well as uh, your mother, those were the, the biggest influences that helps in your transition from uh, getting out of um, the, the city in which you were raised and, 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 and trying to transitioning into a place where you can kind of develop and grow um, for yourself. Oh, wholeheartedly. Um, you know, like I said, I spoke of Hank and I, and I spoke of my man Sam, God, God rest both of their souls. Um, and of course, as my mother, you know, anybody that knows me knows that my mother was not the one to be played with. Mm-hmm. Um, if she jumped on me and my friends were there, she jumped on my friends too. Um, and this is a level of respect that um, my friends had for my mother, you know, and, and they're not bad people. Of course, you know, they chose some things about the street that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect example, I had a friend of mine who dude came down the street that owed him some money. Mm-hmm. My friend pulls him out the car. I'm standing in my yard. I'm watching this. So actually, I'm outside my yard. I'm watching this. I step in my yard, and I shut the gate. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm saying, my mother's going to be out here real soon. And as my friend is, proceeds to you know, beat this dude up badly in front of my house, my mom comes out and says, Kenny, and he's just like, literally, everybody freezes. He says, yes, ma'am. I know you're not beating this man in front of my house. My mother walks out to the porch, out into the street, helps this dude up, walks into his car. She told Kenny, can you go in my yard, stand on my porch? He moves. Then she looks at the rest and says, all of you in my yard on the porch. So there's like six, seven people outside. They all get on the porch. I'm laughing. They're looking at me like snickering. And she helps the man get in the car. She said, you have about five minutes because when I walk back in this house, I know he's going to come after you. Mm-hmm. She said, but I'm going to give you a fighting chance. And that's what she did. You know, so, you know, when you, you know, like I said, so for me, my mother showed me, and my mother was a fighter. So, you know, let's, you know, so, so understand that if I'm willing to fight because my mother was that kind of person. Mm-hmm. But, she was able to show me and help me to understand that not everything was a fight. Right. Not everything had you, you not all your problems couldn't be solved with your hands. Mm. Um, my mother helped me to become a thinker and to really see things objectively. Um, and I, and I'm so thankful for that because, you know, my mother, um, it's funny because my mother meant a lot to a lot of different people for a lot of different ways, a lot of different reasons. 
when you speak a community, once again, my mother was the kind of person that when you speak a community, you know, you know how when somebody would die um, in a neighborhood, my mom would go cook mm. and take fruit to them. Or she would say, here, go take this to so-and-so's house. You know, um, I remember forget somebody, um, their freezer broke. My mother had a, you know, a deep freezer. They asked her, could she, you know, could they put their meat in her freezer? She said, yeah, come on. And she put their meat in the freezer. She marked it, said, you don't touch this. And honestly, I said, they left that meat in that freezer for like two months before wow. they were able to get another freezer. You know, so, you know, when you when you talk about community and how it shapes, but that's how a lot of people in my community were. Uh, Sam, on the corner store, there was times he would call me over and say, here, Take this bread, take this milk, take these eggs. Home. I'm like, why? Because I told you to. He said, because I guess what? I didn't see your mom come past with, come past me uh, this week with groceries in her hand. Mm. Which is deep because as a kid, I didn't pay attention to that. You know, so when you, you know, when you speak in communities, you think of how people shape things. Um, that's how it was. You know, um, it was just that kind of environment that I grew up in that, you know, we looked out for each other, you know. Um, you don't have that now, you know, and it's a shame because you get little small pockets, but not everyone is genuine in what they do. Right. A lot of people do it for for, for different motives wow. other than being genuine, you know. And, and for me, I can only be one way, and that's genuine. Um, right. You know, and I think me and you had those conversations where, you know, I'm I'm one end of the spectrum or the other. You know, either I rock with you or I don't. Right. If I don't rock with you, I've learned to just say, hey, okay, I don't rock with you. I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I'm going to stay over here on my side. You stay on your side. Mm. Um, you know, but it, it, it's, um, your community can shape and mold you. And I think a lot of it has to do with what it is that you want to do in life and how much you're willing to tolerate. Right. You know, because if you're able to tolerate a lot of negative things, guess what you're going to wind up doing? You're going to wind up being invested in that negative stuff. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to, you know, you know, like I said, I'm blessed with the fact that one, even as an early, you know, as a young kid, my mother would always send me to relatives, you know, whether it was my father's house in New York, mm -hmm. you know, my grandparents in North Carolina. So I got to see a lot of different things. So I was accustomed to being away to a degree. Because even when I went away to school and I got homesick, I wasn't homesick because I missed home. I missed the chaos. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what I missed. I didn't miss home. I missed the chaos. Mm. So, you know, and, and, it, and it's, like I said, you know, you, you, when, you're, when you look at your community, man, it can have a negative or positive effect on you. You know, you, you and I have had this conversation a couple times, you know, where, you know, you, you have to make a decision once you get to a certain point, you know, what do you want to do? Because let's be honest, you know you can make a good or bad choice because you can get up in the morning and put on clothes that match. Right. So you understand choice, you know. So, you know, and I, and I try to instill that in my children as far as, you know, make the right choice. You know, I don't want to call them mistakes. I call them choices. So what's the choice you're going to make? Mm -hmm. Are you going to make the choice to, you know, be a positive influence and, 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 have, and live a positive life? Or are you going to, have a negative life, you know, and understand what comes with that. Not to say that you have a, a positive life is going to be perfect, but at the other end of that, damn sure it's not going to be as chaotic as you would if you had a 
and you know you just tend to to, to, to levitate to the negative the negative side of things right and that goes and, and that's a great point wig that you make <clears throat> and you talked about uh chaos and you talked about single parent home you talked about all of the dynamics that occurred in your community and you also said mm-hmm. that it became normal and that's for a lot of us it, a lot of this stuff become normal so What's traumatic to one person may be normal to me. So, mm-hmm. um, how how do we man? How do we see that now as adults? All those things that we went through. How did that affect us emotionally and mentally, even and even spiritually? How did those things affect us um, um, in our adult life as we look back on our youth growing up? I'm and and may ask you a question and. I can go so many different directions with that answer, but I'll start off with this, and I'll and I'll go and I'll go more on the spiritual end first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I lived at was on a corner, and like I said, across the street was the store. Mm-hmm. Across the street from that store was a church. If you go down to the next block, there was a church, and then the next block on the corner was another church. And I can tell you right now that I've only stepped in either one of those churches once. Mm-hmm. And because my perception of church, not Christianity, church, mm-hmm. was not a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, like I said, you know, you get to see people in your community and some of the same people that, you know, that was jumping and shouting in those churches were the same people that were out here on the streets doing Monday through Saturday on some other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of shaped and molded me to the point where my perception was anything that had to do with church was negative, right? Mm-hmm. So now you start to look at the men that were involved in the churches. So now you start to look at men who I know were married who had were cheating on their wives. Mm-hmm. You get to see this. So once again, my community, how is it shaping my mindset? Um, you know, and you just look at all the different variables that came into play where, you know, where it got to a point once I became an adult, I struggled with church. Mm-hmm. I struggled with being an understanding that it's okay to be a father. It's okay to be a husband and to totally involve and divulge my, to dive into that. Um, because, you know, I, I think that um, my community has helped me to be a better father because I've seen the, the negative things that I've seen. Because you have to understand, in my neighborhood, I can probably say I know of maybe three families that had two parents in the household. Mm. And if I look at it from one block to go down to the next block, the end of that block, and I'm probably guessing maybe 30 to 40 homes and you may only have three or four households that had both parents in the house. Wow. And, you know, like as you speak of normalcy, my kids don't, my, in my, my, in my kids' mind, a normal household has two parents. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, I like, you know, perfect time my kids were just around here playing around and everything. I said, hey, I don't know what it's like to live in a household with a sibling. Mm. I couldn't tell you the dynamics of you guys arguing 
or you guys, you know, whatever. But like I said, the the normalcy of um, just being able to understand where I came from to where I'm at now, and I've said that I'm by no means am I perfect, mm-hmm. but to understand that, you know, I shed a different, I, I I cast a different light now, right? And I know it and I see it because of how even my oldest friends tend to interact with me. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, is that they are more, they kind of like, not say on eggshells, but they're mindful of a lot of things that they may do or say. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, be who you are. Cause I'm, you know, I love you for who you are, but you know, it is, you know, it, it, it's, I just feel, that you know, as men, we need to uh, be more involved in the young people around us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because paying it forward, like the work that we do, mm-hmm. you know, I I just paid for it because I know that there were older dudes that pulled me to the side, right, and talked to me, right. Um, not being necessarily judgmental, but just you know, saying, hey, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. You know, you can take this information, do what you want with it, but let me give you this information. And a lot of times, the information didn't even sink in until that situation occurred. And then you go, man, he told me that. You know, so, you know, you know, and, and, you know, as I'm thinking about community, I I have another story, and if you don't mind, um, Friends, made, you know, I had to be about 15, 16 years old. My friends and I were walking somewhere, and I'm not gonna lie, we're fussing and cussing, you know, whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And I never forget this man stood at the bus stop. He looked at me, and he said, "Why are you being so disrespectful?" Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I paused and looked at him, and I started to say something. And then he said, "How do you not? How do you know I don't know your mother?" Mm-hmm. And I sat back and I said, "Oh," and I immediately apologized. And I get home later that day and I said, Mom, you know, I was talking to this man at the bus stop. She looked at him and she said, really? She's like, yeah, I think he knows you. So I described him. She said, no, nah, I don't sound like anybody I know. But because of community, mm. you you know, the thought, you know, now you can't do that to a kid in the, right. in the community. You do that to a kid, they're going to cuss you out. Right. You're going to tell, tell their parents. The parents are gonna come looking for you, mm-hmm. you know. Where if that was, you know, if my mother wasn't looking for him, she would say thank you, right? Because you addressed the issue that he knows he shouldn't have been doing. Mm. So you know, you know, when you, you know, when you really think about community, man, it's just it, it is. I I know the community can never be what it was, mm-hmm. but I do believe we can build a better, a, a, a very good community if we allow ourselves to be um, human. And right. treat people in a humane manner because Absolutely. I think that's part of the the the, the, the issue in our communities is that we don't treat people as humans. We treat, treat treat people according to what they look like, what their religion is, what their social economic standings is. You know, all these different things and variables come into play because you know we don't see people as humans anymore. Right. We just see them as whatever, and you know we have to get back to teaching our children that and treating our, our, you know, our neighbors in a humane manner, you know, 
to me, I think that goes a long way. Mm. I really do. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you know that you're doing your job when your kids are kind of like along those same lines. Right. But they don't see people for anything other than being a person and, and treating them in a humane manner. Mm. That's what I get as far as a father and my job as a parent. Right. You know, my wife is included in that, you know, because um, definitely I'm not doing this on my own. Absolutely. I know me. <laughs> you know. And I think, Wig, you said something that was key when you talked about uh, your experience that you had um, when when you talked about church, you talked about that experience, and the church is always part of the community. And I think mm-hmm. what happens in a lot of times when you when you deal with a community, you start to separate things as as perfect. And there's nothing mm-hmm. that is there's no person that is perfect. And and see what happened when you start thinking of people as perfect, then when you see them do something, um, will be viewed as wrong, or you see them do something that. Uh, you are, you have been taught that is not right, and it's not culturally right. It's it's not um, humanely right. Um, you begin to judge them, and I think what mm-hmm. hap- I think what happens is we begin to judge each other, and not knowing that we are all on the road of perfection, which means mm-hmm. every day we getting better. Every day we trying to grow. Now there's times where a lot of people may not be on the path that you on as far as progression. They may be in a yep. stuck place. And and I always believe that if somebody's in a stuck place, it's our responsibility, our responsibility to not in a judgmental way, but to have conversation with them to converse or even be a provider to them so that they can they can get up and they can begin to move again. And I think if yep. we get back to that aspect of community, and that's I think that's what happened to you and I. Them them them, them older guys, they gave you an opportunity to keep moving. They gave you some type of nugget that kept you motivated to move forward. And if we all have that mindset to say, you know what? Uh, uh, I probably, I probably was once in that condition of that person, but all I needed was for somebody or for something to get me to a place where I can begin moving. I can begin moving again. You know what I'm saying? Uh And have that type of compassion because you talk about that compassion with your mother. Your mother was a compassionate individual that said, listen, if your refrigerator, your freezer broke, put it in my freezer. So even if I got to take, if I got to, if I got to put less in my home for my kids, at least it's a balance because now at least you can have in the future, you can have for your children. And so I think that's so key, man. And 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 that's why I can appreciate so much of your mentality in your, in in your character. Cause it's similar to mine. And I think that's why we have the conversations that we have, um, even, you know, on the job and we able to talk about certain things, man, I can appreciate, you know, you as a, as a, as a, as a man, you as a father and you also as a husband based on our conversations. And, um, and this is not the, the, the last time that we will converse. Um, this is, this is, uh, uh the one of many that we will have conversations because we could sit here and talk all day because that's, that's who we are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I want to, I want to say something because I want you on, um, on, 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 um, shows in the future, man, that can give yeah. insight and that can give motivation because this show is not to just have a sob story. This show is to say, you know what? We all had experiences. We all may have negative experiences, but there's a positive way out and there's a way to overcome. And so you gave us so many great tools of overcoming through wisdom, through, through, you know, overcoming the chaos and getting unfamiliar with the chaos and having, you know, the respect about family and community. And I think people need to hear that and they need to understand that that's what makes up a great community. When you can have those pillar or those those characteristics 
that can bring us back together to have conversations and to share the love that we have just as human beings. You know what I mean? Forget about the, the racial or forget about if you my family or you're not my family. We people. So people love people. So if we get yep. back to that love. Um, we going to be okay. Um, and so, man, you have any closing remarks? Um, you know, my, my closing remark, um, I'm pretty much, I'm probably going to almost be repetitive, but, you know, as a, first as a, as, as a human being, you know, we go, I go back to treating people in a humane manner. Then as I go to, um, a black man, I have to say that we have to take ownership and responsibility to pull up, not just to, and I'll say from this standpoint, I don't mean it as a, in, a, in a way in which it's, it's just about men, but we have to be able to pull up the young men in our community mm-hmm. and be able to show them and mentor them in a direction where they're not, you know, where they showing respect to, to the women, showing respect to the mothers, showing respect to their wives, their girlfriends, you know, mm-hmm. understanding that education is the key to everything mm-hmm. that we do in our lives, no matter how much people think it is. And we're not, and I'm not just saying college education, because, you know, we've had this conversation, college is not built for everyone. Right. But get that high school diploma. When I say get the high school diploma, get an education. Mm-hmm. So that you can go out into this world and make just make your life better, your family's life better, whether it's through via trade, whatever it is that you do. Because at the end of the day, we have a responsibility first as a human being mm-hmm. to to leave our our community in a better shape than it was when we when we entered it. We have a responsibility as black men to make sure that our young black men and girls are loved mm-hmm. and they're treated fairly and with respect. Um, you know, it, it's so many different things, man. You know, me and you can go on and on and on, but you right. know, I, I am truly blessed because, you know, I know that God puts people in certain situations, put people in people's lives for a reason. Mm-hmm. And offline, I will have that conversation with you because God, as we have this conversation, God has told me something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and and I'm truly blessed and grateful for the friendship and the relationship that we have built. And I look forward to having these conversations, whether it's on 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 the podcast or just in general. Right. Um. You know, and once again, like I said, I want to thank you um, for inviting me. You know, because I, this is something, like I said, new territory for me, man. And for me. As my wife would say, I'm only going to talk about certain things. I'm talking about God, mm-hmm. family, and sports in that order. Mm-hmm. And you and I got a chance just now to talk about God briefly, and we got to talk about family, mm-hmm. community. So, you know, I, I I I appreciate it, and thank you. You have no idea how much I'm about to run up. I'm about I'm stopping myself from jumping up and down right now. <laughs> <laughs> You it's know, what it is. So I, you know, so I, I once again, like I said, I want to say thank you. And we, hey, and with that being said, uh, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. Once again, all we try to bring is love and peace and inspiration. Until next time, 
Peace out.